everybody. Guess what? I, I, I heard you say what? That means it's Tuesday. That, that means it's so we're, we're excited to be back with you. It's Doable Discipleship. Um, this is a Saddleback Church podcast designed to help you deepen your faith. Um, or, you know, Brandon, I'm going to make you say it. The what show that it? helps you grow. There you go. It's the show that helps you grow. Um, so we are uh, in the middle of this season that we've been doing on listening, basically having these conversations around this this idea. It's it's not a new idea, but it's something that's kind of come to the forefront um, for our church lately, for our staff, and just in these conversations that we've been having and, and seeing seeing this cultural moment that there's this realization. Of the importance of taking time to listen to one another and truly not just i hear you thank you but truly like listen for depth listen for understanding for growth for empathy for learning and truly getting to the heart of a fellowship which is caring for one another and using your ears in that and and so we've been having these conversations in, in different ways in different formats and talking about different types of listening and what does it look like but today we um are going to be joined by two amazing ladies of faith here um at the church uh joy herlow and um, majita lawson is that it luton luton okay i didn't have it in front of me i was i was taking a shot and i got close so we got joy and majita both who work uh, in a Kay's office, Kay Warren's office. Um, and um, they, they, they've both been around Saddleback for a long time, but more importantly for this conversation is they have both uh, grown in, as deeper friends in this season as they have worked together and, and gotten to know one each other better. So really grateful to have you both here uh, for this episode today. How's it going? How are you guys doing? Doing great. Grateful to be here. Thanks for having us. Really great. Thank you so much for having us. It's great to all be together in this in this call. Yeah, we're really excited. So Brandon, why don't you set up where we're going for today's conversation? Yeah, yeah. Uh, like you said, Jason, really excited to have Majida and Joy on today. I think we're going to have, they're both uh, two very wise women that are going to speak into our lives well. Um, so we've been talking about listening and I came across uh, this verse, Proverbs 18, 24, it says, uh, there are persons for companionship, but then there are friends who are more loyal than family. Um, and it made me think of actually, when I was in college, I had an English teacher and he was talking about writing and like different levels of writing intimacy. But I feel like it extend the metaphor extends beyond that. He was saying like, you know, there's certain people who are like in your general acquaintance circle where you're will always be cordial you always be nice but they're not necessarily like coming over for dinner they don't know your kids names things like that and then you have like another inner ring of people that like you would consider friends that you'd go out to eat with that you they have some level of access to your life and then you have maybe like a like one best friend that you tell everything that really knows that you guys talk about like actual deep issues you you share the um, the highs and lows of life together. And I think like, just like there are different levels of friendship, they're like I was saying, like there's different levels of intimacy with that. And not all friendships are built the same. Not all relationships are built the same. Um, but when I think about you two in particular, yes, you work together, but I also think you guys are actual friends. Well, I know you guys are friends. Um, and it made me think of 
like advocating friendships, friendships that go beyond kind of the, the nice pleasantries, the cordial, hey, so good to see you. We should hang out sometime. Yeah, totally, of course. And then you never are actually like hang out with that person. Um, deeper than that, there's, a, there's an advocating um, for each other relationship or dynamic to the, to the relationship. Um, and when, when I think about you two and the, what I've heard and what I've seen, I think you guys are there. And I think there's a lot of goodness for us to glean um, from that. So I'll say this, like, I would love to hear just a little bit about how did you guys go from like, you guys, you know, work together or teammates together, but then progress through your relationship as friends. Is that like a gradual thing? Was it an an immediate, like, was there a moment where you guys like, oh my gosh, we are going to be friends. Um, Was there anything like that? Would you, do you want to go first or you want me to jump in? (laughs) Okay. Um, yeah, for me, I feel like um, we had, I've, I've known Majida for, I think, four years now, and we kind of had, um, you know, just we we met each other a few years back, we weren't on the same team, but then um, we did become on the same team about a year and a half ago, and I would say at that point, we had a base of friendship where we talked about intense things like mental health and trauma, um, and so we kind of had this foundation of vulnerability and trust, but I feel like our relationship kind of went deeper when um, in the midst of all the intense racial climate that has been just really increasing over the last year and a half, I would say um, Majida really made a decision in our team meetings to be open about some of the racial things that she was facing. And she she just, you know, took big risks, I feel like, um, to, to share her pain. And so it made it really um, natural for me to be able to follow up and, you know, engage and try to learn and just after meetings, you know, would just kind of check in of like, hey, you shared something really intense, you know, do you want to talk about it more? There's no pressure, but if you want to, you know, and so it just made it where she, she really set the tone of, of opening up. And then from there, I feel like it, it was natural to be able to um, form that deeper relationship. Yeah, that's good. Thanks, Joy. Thank you. I feel like, yeah, like she said, we had um, we kind of had that basis and that foundation for a relationship. I think even to just the nature of our office, we go pretty deep. You know, we talk about deep, intense issues. So we we had that cultural that culture of safety of knowing like we're able to talk to each other about what's really going on in our lives. And Joy and Kay have done just an incredible job of just like building that culture within our team. And some that people also don't know, Joy and I are teammates, but she's also one of my bosses. And so going in just from that level of relationship to where she's someone that not only is a friend, but someone I look up to and I have the pleasure from learning from every day. Um, But yeah, I would definitely echo that. I think our relationship took a different turn, um, you know, in light of the killings of Armand Arbery and Breonna Taylor and George Floyd. um, When we did start talking about racial issues, um, I think that like for me, something I've been realizing is that you know, as I grew up in, you know, in the Midwest, I've been in a lot of predominantly white environments. So grew up in a predominantly white church, you know, neighborhood school, that's having white friends and people that aren't um, having friendships that are outside of my race isn't something that's necessarily been new for me. But what has been new this year was having a friend, someone like Joy, um, 
obviously outside of my husband, my husband is also white. So we've had lots of racial conversations over the years, but having a friend like Joy um, and the people on my team to be able to go there with the racial issues has been a very new experience for me. It's just always been something that I kind of always deal with, live with, and it's just something I always kind of bring with me to work, but maybe you know, on a team call, I'll discuss about 80% of what's going on, but the race stuff might be 20%. I hold that final 10, 20% back. But um, we just got to a point, like Joyce said, you know, the level of safety was already built there in our relationship. Um, and in our team meetings where I remember one day, I think it had been in May. So, you know, our Mart Arbor was fresh. I think George Floyd had had just happened. And it was kind of before our staff um, meeting started taking, having conversations about race where, you know, I just, I couldn't hold it in any longer. And I just, I decided to share what was going on. And then I think what happened after that, like Joy mentioned, we'd start having check-ins after that. She would check in with me after of like, Hey, totally okay. If you aren't in a place to talk or if you need some space, but would love to talk more about this. And that just really showed me, I think, um, something I've been thinking about. Um, I've been reading Jamar Tisby's newest book, How to Fight Racism. And something he talks about in there is that all of racial justice is relational. And I feel like that is what I have experienced so powerfully in my relationship with Joy. Like it hasn't just been the books that she's been reading, the work she's been doing, the podcast she's been listening to, all of those have been, I've loved getting to talk about all those things, but it's been, it's been relational. It's been in the check-ins. It's been in the way she's cared for me or checked in after another shooting or another cultural event happens. You know, she's checking in, how are you doing? How are you feeling about this? But then it's moved from not just something that's affecting me or reflecting the back, the black community. It's something that she's feeling deeply too. And so feeling that she is not only are these things I have to carry alone anymore or that black people or people of color have to carry alone to know that there's other people like joy that are feeling these things deeply and carrying it with me has really, I feel like was kind of been the shift in our relationship. Yeah. You know, that makes me think of um, when we're talking about like advocacy or allyship or whatever you want to call it. Um, it it's, you can't manufacture that. Like that is, grassroots. It happens through someone being open, like Majida, like you're saying, in a meeting. And then it happens through a joy following up saying, hey, do you want to talk about that more, process that more? I'd love to talk about it if you're willing in your time as you're processing. Um, And it makes me think of like the deeper, those are the good pockets of not just ministry, but just relationships in, in general in the, like the, the, the good deep soil that's down there, but it takes, um, I think sometimes we assume it has to be like this big monumental, like active reaching across the, you know, whatever it's a, but usually it's five to 10, like little small interactions, just a check in here or thinking about you here or, let me get your thoughts on this or, Hey, I'm reading this or, Hey, I I heard this. What do you think? Just little things like that um, go a really long way into developing kind of the relational uh, intimacy or the relational fellowship that we're talking about. Right. Cause we've been interviewing different people, having different conversations and we're talking about going from listening, not just listening for like Jason, you were saying earlier, like, okay, yeah, I did it. I did my thing right? That's what everyone's telling me to do now. So I guess that's what I need to do. Um, But listening towards a dialogue, like two people talking with each other. Um, 
And then also the, from there moving to like actual real growth, uh, uh, like a, a good, like God is in this type of um, relationship, the, the, the deeper things. So yeah, I think you guys have modeled that well. You know, I'm curious just there for a second. Um, I think if you're just looking at it on paper, it's like, well, I don't know if I want to have go there. Majita, you talked about like going there. Like, I don't know if I want to go all the way there. Um, <laughs> but how did you guys get there? Like in your dialogue, in your, your conversations, how did, was that scary? Was it, was there apprehension? Were you hesitant? Like, you know, cause there's also the dynamic of a boss, um, you know, th those things. And I think for those listening, it's one thing to talk to your family. Um, and that's sometimes that's even harder because like they know you, they've seen all your stuff and you've seen all their stuff. Um, but then it's another thing to talk, you know, you, you're, you're with people you work with usually more than you are your family. Um, and there's a whole nother layer of different dynamics there. So I'm, I'm curious to know, like, how did you, was that weird? Was it hard? Was, is there any tips of like how to navigate the, the relational waters in that sense? Would you, do you want to go first or do you want me to dive in? Either way is great. I can go in Okay, great. <laughs> on that. Yeah. I think, um, yeah, it's been interesting because I feel like, um, yeah, even with that dynamics of like, oh, you know, boss and teammate and this, I feel like, like I said, there's just been that culture of like safety and like family, you know, like my work family is my family and they're the people that I get to do life with. Like not only do we get to do ministry together, we get to do life together. And so I think that it honestly, it didn't really feel that awkward. It's just kind of like Joy said, we talked about hard things. We talked about past traumas and some of the deep, deepest parts of our stories before. So then adding in the race conversation, like at first, the first time I was like, wait, can I really? But I think um, just the safety I experienced and just the way that Joy would respond to me or, you know, I'm always telling my family and friends and, you know, who are Black, like, oh no, Joy really gets it. Like you guys don't understand, like she really gets it. And I think just that feeling of, you know, I feel like the relationship also just kind of happened through like we'd send each other articles or anytime she is, you know, reading a book or listening to a podcast or watching a documentary, she's like, oh, I'm reading this. Have you read this? And, or oh, I'd love to hear your thoughts. And so we get to share in that experience of like, oh, here's how I interpret it. And I think like realizing that um, the biggest thing that's happened in this is like being able to see things the same way. Whereas before it was like a lot of black Americans, our experience the black experience has been something we've only seen. We've only been the ones seeing the racism or the injustices upon us, or we've been the ones having to call it out. But now it's like, no, now we have other people coming alongside that are also seeing some of that the same way too. So I feel like it hasn't been as awkward. I don't know, maybe you have a different experience. <laughs> no, I didn't feel like it was awkward either. I feel like, you know, it's, um, I think honestly before last year, I don't think, I would say I was aware of, you know, I grew up in the Midwest as well and in a pretty segregated area. I've seen racism my whole life. And so it wasn't like a new concept to me of like, oh, there's racism. I just, I would say I truly saw like the tip of the iceberg and I thought, okay, this is what racism is. But I think, um, you know, I had, I've had a lot of friends throughout my whole life of elementary, high school, college, you know, post-college, many different ethnicities. And, and I thought that I, like my response with um, 
I thought racism was kind of an individual thing. Like if I, if I, I'm responsible for me and my actions, but I didn't see the big structure behind it. And so I think even in our staff calls, as things got brought up where I, I kept hearing this common thread of like, people who are white are not seeing the same reality that people of color are seeing. And so I don't like feeling ignorant, honestly, and I don't like feeling like I'm, you know, not aware of what's going on because I care about people. And I feel like as followers of Christ, it's like, we are called to a higher standard. So if at the world level, people are saying like, you're not getting our pain, to me, that's a that's a big rallying call of like, well, I want to understand and I want to see it differently. I want people to be loved. I I don't want to just make things like equitable in society. I want to go the I want to go and do what Jesus has called us to of like truly loving each other, laying our lives down for each other. And I think in order to do that, there has to be we have to go further. We have to go further than what the world is calling us to do. And so um I had to just decide if I was going to, you know, Dr. Anita always says, you know, are you going to believe what people of color are saying? If they say something is racist, are you going to believe them and then do the work and figure it out? And so I felt like I kept hearing people say, you know, white people, please do the work. And so I was like, all right, I'm diving in and I'm going to download Audible so I can listen to books. I'm going to get the library app. I'm going to look up all the podcasts, you know, do all the different things, watch documentaries and try to understand what I'm not seeing so far. And so I truly feel like last year was just the beginning of going beneath the water level of like, oh, this iceberg is deep and this is massive. And this is how our country was built was on racism and slavery and the effects of it are still happening today. And so I feel like there was just so many things that um, I, I don't know that it was like, it, it wasn't one thing, but I think there was the place where I felt like it's not because I'm Majita's boss and I want our workplace to be a safe environment. I do, of course, but I also feel like it goes beyond that of we are followers of Jesus and we are one and we can't be one body that's healthy and strong if we're not able to hear each other and listen. And if one part is suffering, then we are all suffering. And so how do we actually join into that? And so it's, I, I truly feel like we're just at the beginning, but I feel like that, that that was what I was thinking a lot about in the process of starting these conversations and trying to figure out how do we actually come together and support each other. Joy, you mentioned wanting to, that it's not just wanting to make things a safe space, but at the same time, that that is a part of what we have to do is create a safe place to have the dialogue, right? And that's and that's kind of been a part of the heart of, of, of the season is that in order to have listening conversations and dialogue is there does have to be that sense of trust and safety that is involved in that relationship. And so, so Majida, I'm just, if you could, for us, could you tell us a little bit about what do you, how would you define safety? Like, what does that look like to you? And then how, how did you come to see joy as a safe person? What was it that you felt, okay, I'm, I'm safe here to, you know, bear my soul in this sense, you know? Mm -hmm. 
No, definitely. Um, yeah, because I feel like safety is so critical in this conversation and um, talking about something as sensitive as race that doesn't feel safe to honestly talk about. So I think like, you know, when I think of like an emotionally safe person, I think someone that um, truly understand someone that you're going to share something and you're not going to feel judged or questioned, or are you sure that really happened or, um, or someone that's going to try to fix you or, you know, just give you advice and try to move on. You know, someone that we've been talking about listening, but someone that really listens and where it's like a safe place to land. And I feel like, um, like what Joyce said about Dr. Anita saying, just believing people of color when they tell you, I feel like just not having to there's a difference between drawing out and, oh, can you share this? Then like, I don't have to like with Joy, I don't have to explain or justify my experience to have her believe me. Like she believes me, she gets it. I don't have to explain an instance of racism and have to worry. Is she is she thinking that maybe I just was oversensitive here or, or that really didn't happen? So I think just that level of safety, you know, just as anyone that's experienced any past trauma, one of the things that's the most healing for you is when you have people that believe you. And that, you know, can empathize with you and that can say, I'm so sorry that happened to you. That's wrong. That should have never happened. And people that can then reflect the heart of God to you of like, this is something that breaks God's heart as well. And so I think I've experienced that the joy in the racial conversations of, you know, the types of conversations we'd have after about the different things that, you know, joy mentioned, like doing the work. We've heard that said a lot, like, for people to do the work, there's a difference between where it can feel performative and where it's authentic and experiencing that authenticity from joy has made her even safer in this conversation as well. And so I think too, just even, you know, the conversations we're able to have outside of work of just, you know, did you see this happen? Did you see this today? I think even just current events talking about, you know, even just the Derek Chauvin verdict, you know, like last week I had, everyone on my team, including Joanne Kay, like knowing, Hey, do what you need to do the rest of the afternoon. I wasn't expected like in the past in other work environments, a lot of black Americans, we have to live with this ongoing racial trauma, but we're still expected to perform. But I had everyone in my workplace telling me, take it easy, take the rest of the day off, take as much time and space as you need. That's this level of safety and awareness that I haven't experienced before in workplaces. So I think, um, just having someone that truly gets it to where I can say something and know, okay, like she gets what I'm talking about. I'm not getting a blank stare. I'm not getting a, but did that really happen to you? It's, I believe you and I'm with you. Yeah, that's good. You know, I've, I, sometimes I think about it, like I've, so I'm reading Harry Potter, for instance, by the way, I never <laughs> read it, never the watched the movies time. growing up. I for love the first that. time at 31. That's that's so great. I'm finally you could do a whole series on, on that, on your thoughts as we're, anyway. <laughs> yeah, maybe we'll do another thing on that. Just I would to, love to hear that. <laughs> but when I think about safety, it's like, I think sometimes it's easy to put it into other categories as well and like lighten it up a little bit, right? So if I, I'm reading Harry Potter and if I were to go to someone and say like, hey, I'm in, I'm in Hufflepuff. Would you think that's weird? You know, like, is that person a safe person? Are they gonna think I'm weird if I if I get a little nerdy with them? Are they gonna think like, Brandon, what? What are you talking about? That dude's weird. Um, it's That's an easy example, but it's, it's kind of the same line of thinking of, it goes from like, are they gonna think I'm weird to are they gonna judge me and not, and think I'm now an untrustworthy person? Um, 
those are the difference as you get a little bit deeper into the more weightier, the, the matters of the heart. Um, so I, Jim, Majita, I think that's a, a great way to put it. Um, Joy, for you, I'm, I'm wondering like, what was it? I think you hit on it a little bit already, but like, what was it about um, this conversation? Or was there like a catalyst moment for you saying like, hey, I need to, I need to create this space. I need to make it so I need to, um, we, we talk about like peacemaking. And there's a quote by a woman, her name is Joan Chittister. I, she, she was a Catholic nun, I believe, but she's a theologian and she's written books. And um, I saw a quote from her. She, she says, uh, in concerning peace, she's like, it's our job to, to birth it in, into the world. And I love that idea of like birthing something, creating something like you're laboring, you're making it, making it so like, what was it for you that, that sparked? It was like, I need to, I need to make this a safe place. I need to create this type of environment. Was that like a journey? Was that a moment? What did that look like? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, I think that prior to last spring and everything that happened um, with, I feel like our, I feel like our nation kind of hit this place of like, a racial reckoning moment of like, we are, you know, we were, we had people in the streets protesting, you know, there were, there were things that were happening. People started talking about this being like the next step of the civil rights movement. And, and I think for me, I have looked back in history and always thought, oh, that is like, that would be incredible to be living during that time. Like all the things that were happening um, and have thought, what would it be like to be alive during that time? And so when I was seeing, you know, when I was seeing, honestly, you know, George Floyd's murder was, I think definitely something that was a turning point. Um, I, I think what I've struggled with is I didn't feel completely unaware before, but I, I, it was almost like this wake up call of like, you weren't totally unaware of racism before, but there's something happening right now that is, it was getting my attention in a different way. And I, I read books like um, Blind Spots or, you know, things like that, where it's like, I, I know that concept of like, we all have blind spots. We all have things in our lives that we don't know what we are not paying attention to. We don't know what we're not seeing. And so I think that um, I just felt I felt so much conviction of like, this is a time for the church to really pay attention and to see what we're not seeing. And if somebody's telling me that I have a blind spot in an area, I, I wanted to pay attention to it. And I wanted to, to learn because I didn't want to be blind in an area where I was continuing to harm people or create more pain. And so, um, you know, honestly, I, I looked back even at different conversations that I've had with other friends over the years where, you know, we went to the African-American museum together. We went to some different museums together. And I remembered conversations that, you know, they would say, well, there's all white men on that board. So this place must be something that's just for white people. And I, I didn't get it. I was kind of like, no, 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 it's for everybody. And I would kind of try to explain that that wasn't reality. But then looking, it just was like, I had all these realizations of looking back over even the last 10 years and thinking, how did I not get it at this instance? How did I not get it when this friend said this? How did I not get it at this point? Mm -hmm. And I 
I didn't want that to continue through life. Like I wanted to make the change of like, I don't want to not understand what is happening with race in our nation. I don't want to cause harm to people. I don't want, I want to be somebody who can hear the pain and respond and show up like Jesus would in the moment, you know, and that I'm not going to get it all right. And so to go back and apologize to some of those friends and Majida and I have had conversations where I've apologized to her for things I haven't gotten right. And, and it's like, I'm not afraid to see that, like, I'm not going to get every conversation right. I want to, but I want real friendship. I want real relationship. I don't want people to have to walk around on eggshells because I'm white and that's the dominant group in our nation, you know? And so I'm like, it's been heartbreaking to see all the ways that people have assimilated to white culture. And I honestly was not even aware of it. And I know to people of color, that's gonna sound like the most absurd thing. But until last year, I just wasn't aware of how, how much people were holding back parts of themselves because it didn't fit in white culture. And it broke my heart. And so I think there were just ways that God kind of opened my eyes to see that I, I want to be part of doing things differently. And I don't want, I don't want things to continue the same way just so that I'm quote unquote comfortable. You know, it's like, that's the most ridiculous thing. Like people are literally dying. And I, I feel like as followers of Christ, we have to enter this space and say, this is not okay. Not on my watch, you know, and that's not going to change unless I'm willing to really peel back the layers and see what I'm not seeing. So I don't know if that answers your question or not, but I think it was no, a combination absolutely. of all of it, you know, where yeah. it was like cultural reckoning, George Floyd's, you know, even history of different conversations. It just got opening up my eyes to things. It was kind of this whole conglomeration. Yeah, no, that's great. Yeah. And that's, and that's exactly why we wanted to have this conversation with you both because we've heard your heart on this come out and just to see how moved you have been to want to be a better friend, a better sister to Majida, to your other friend, you know, and just being in, in being a better a follower of Christ in that, because we are called to love our neighbors, to love our brothers and sisters. We are called to share burdens with one another. And this is a part of that. And so to see just how open and honest you have been about this, and Amajita, to hear you share about how you have been feeling and in, 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 in thinking about and seeing things going on and being able to share that you've been able to have these conversations with joy and with others, that's that's exactly why we're having this conversation is because we want to let our listeners know, you know, anybody who's listening, whether it's your first time, if, if this is your first episode, hello, you kind of jumped into the fray here. Um, but uh, <laughs> that, that it's okay to approach from a place of teachability to approach the, to approach from a place of humility of, of saying, I don't, I don't know nearly as much as I wish I did about the way that you think, feel, experience things and how things af affect you. 
And it it goes to both sides. It's also saying, hey, I want to understand a little bit more about about how you see things so that I can have a better understanding as well, right? And that's, that's what we're getting at with listening. It's not just one person that's listening to another. It's a dialogue. It's both people listening to each other because that's how relationship is formed. Relationships are two-way streets. They're not one-sided things. And so I'm just, I'd love to hear from each of you. I'll start with you, Majita. Um, what advice would you have for people who want to maybe enter into a better, deeper cross-cultural relationship? Yeah, I think that's a great question because I think, honestly, I think people are afraid to get it wrong. Like Joyce said, like, and I think just even acknowledging, like, we're going to make mistakes. Like we, Joy and I talk about this all the time. Like I'm going to get it wrong. She might get it wrong sometimes. And having authentic relationship is where you can have those conversations of, oh, maybe I didn't hear it right. Or maybe this, you know, and I think that we just have to embrace that that's going to be part of it, that it's going to be messy. Um, That I think a lot of times that, so many times people are afraid to have relationships, deep relationships with people outside of their race, especially um, in this racial climate, because they are, are worried about offending someone or saying the wrong thing or, you know, having that happen. And I think just knowing it's going to be messy, we're going to make those mistakes, but we can learn from each other. I think that like for me, um, you know, even though I've grown up experiencing racism my entire life, it has been really good to get more vocabulary, reading different books, listening to different things, diversifying my accounts has been good for me to get more vocabulary and language for what I've experienced. But then also something I really appreciated um, the joy has done is I think one of the things that's also made her safe is that knowing that I'm not her one black friend, (laughs) joy has several black friends. She has several friends that are people of color. And I feel like what I've experienced in my relationship with her is just a small measure of what I feel like she's advocated for the black staff at her church, the, the staff of color. It's not it's not just something she's done just because we're friends and we work in the same place. It's because she really has a heart and a passion for this and um, for the staff of color in our church to feel like this is their church. They belong here and really wanting to change the culture of our church as well. So um, I think that a lot of times what you can find is that we honestly have more in common than we do different. Um, Something that Dr. Nina Phillips has been talking about recently is that like we can be a we we don't have to come from the same cultural background to be a we. And I think that's something, one of the beauties that we can discover in relationships with people that grew up differently than we did. Yeah, Joy, would you like to add anything to kind of the question about advice, you know, that kind of stuff? Yeah, I love what you said, Majida. I think all of that is so good with the we. I think um, I think that there is a lot of, man, there's so many different aspects of things, but I think the biggest thing I would say is that don't be afraid to show up, you know, that it's worse to say nothing. It's, it's your silence. If something is going on and there's silence, it, it's really, really hurtful um, from everything I've heard from my friends of color is that they know the people that have shown up and they know the people that haven't. And so just risk it. You know, if you don't know what to say, say, something even as small as, can I send you dinner? I know something, you know, I know this thing happened today, or, you know, we're not really good at grief in our culture in America, but it's kind of two for one advice of like, if something major happens, you know, send coffee, send dinner, um, you know, think about the ways that you can show up because there's, there's so much 
happening in our nation with race and trauma and grief and hurt and pain. And that um, it, it doesn't, you don't have to have all the right words, but to make sure that you're doing what you're doing for the other person, not to feel good about yourself so that it's like really what they need. So if, you know, if a trial is happening and, you know, just to text and say, Hey, I'm thinking about you and I'm praying for you. You don't even need to respond to this email or this text, but just wanted to let you know, I'm thinking about you. It's like, that's going to go a long way of like, just show up. You don't have to have all the right words. You don't have to have all the things figured out, but just to, to not say something or to not reach out is going to end up causing so much more harm and pain than I think we could even realize. So if you're interested in joining in, then just do it, show up and do what Nike says, just do it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it sounds like when in doubt, communicate. You know, like if it's going between, should I say, you know, I don't know if I'm going to say this right or not, still just say something. And then, you know, because because you don't have a relationship without communication. <laughs> um, but then also, I, I think we, it sounds like one of the big takeaways is just grace upon grace, right? Is is grace and knowing that, um, you know, allyship and advocacy it takes time and it takes learning and, you know, it's, and it might be a, a lot of conversations. It might be a lot of, of questions, you know, it might be some of those, like, I'm, I feel badly asking this stupid question, you know, but it's just saying, Hey, you know, I get it. It's okay. This is a safe place. Ask, you know, and, uh, and yeah. So I think, I, I think those both sound great. Uh, Brandon, I know you have, uh, another question that you wanted I to do, ask. I do, I do. But I, I think, Joy, what you're saying, I think is really important about, about just showing up. Like you don't, you don't have to have the right answer. You don't have to have like this nice, beautiful, eloquent, you know, it, it, it's, it's a posture, right? It's, it's a, it's, it's a, um, it's, it's a simple thing, um, but it, it communicates deeply and it communicates greatly. Um, and it, it's, a, it's the foundation of what this like listening and these conversations are going to be built on. Um, so what you're saying, Joy, of like, hey, can I send you a coffee? Can I, can I send you dinner? Like that's, that's huge. Um, it doesn't have to be, you know, you don't have to type out like a paragraph to, to put a bow on everything and make it, make it nice and make it pretty. Um, so when there's things like, hey, I don't really understand this or I'm seeing this reaction. I'm having a different reaction. Am I missing something? It's a, it's a posture of humility. Um, I think is what I'm trying to say. And that goes a really long way. Um, but the question I was going to ask is like, what's the hope, you know, like, what is the, I, I, I hear that question, like not a question, but I hear that, like, what, what do you want to happen or what should be happening? And there are times where I'm like, that's an unfair question because who knows, you know, that's, that's hard to answer. But I think the better question is like, what, what's the hope is, is there, where's the silver lining? Like, where do you see God's activity or what, what would you like to see that comes from these conversations that comes from uh, the dialogue? Okay. So I had a couple of things that I was thinking about when you were asking that about the hope. I think that there's so many times that um, we get caught in 
we just get caught in thinking that it's all hard, but I hope that people will see that their lives are going to be richer from the relationships that they have with people that come from different backgrounds. And so it's like, there's so much that we have to learn from each other. And there's so much richness that is possible. Like if we enter into these conversations, um, then thing that goes with that, that I think is a little bit on the harder side of it is that I don't think we really get there until like, I hope that we start telling the truth about our nation and, uh, you know, really be willing to apologize for things that have been done wrong in the past um, and that are being done right now in the current, because I don't think we can move into really seeing the richness without being honest. So I think that part of the, um, you know, just part of the ways that we need to do that are being willing to, like for me, recognize the things that I've done that have hurt other people and apologize for those things. But I can also apologize for the things that I know my ancestors did. Like I can apologize for things that I know church history has done. Like I don't have to be, you know, if, if I know somebody who has experienced, you know, abuse from a relationship within their church, I didn't have to be the one to abuse them to say, I am so sorry that happened. Like, it's not like my actions directly, but I'm so sorry that happened. And there's times where it is my action directly on something that I've said or done that's been hurtful. So I think, I hope that we can get quicker to apologize for things and um, have more of an open posture of, we don't have to feel defensive for things that we did or didn't do, but we can really enter into it with, with grace and understanding. And I don't think that we're going to be able to go to those deeper relationships without honesty. Um, but I do think that to really get that deeper relationship with Jesus and with each other, it, it's possible. And, and to really, I hope that that's what people see is like, it's possible for us to become more like Jesus in this process. It's possible for us to love more fully and completely. And it's going to take some hard work, but that doesn't mean that we stop trying or that we don't enter into it. So my hopes are kind of all three of those. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I would say my hope is kind of what Joy is saying. I think my hope is just to encourage people that the risk is worth it. I think like it's definitely, it's scary entering into these conversations. Talking about race is, it's it's a sensitive subject. You don't always know how it's going to be received on both ends, but the risk has been worth it because for me, I feel like there's been a level of feeling seen and known that I haven't experienced before. Like I said, you know, racial issues were something that I would keep to talking with my family or my other black friends, but being able to bring my full self into work, into my church, feeling like, you know, there are things that I don't have to just kind of keep that hidden anymore. I feel like that's been liberating. It's been liberating to feel and to see, like Joyce said, the the racial reckoning that's been happening in our country to see people validate that our pain matters, our experience matters, and our lives matter in the sense of not just the pain and trauma we've been through, but um, people who are about celebrating and championing the dignity that all of us carry. And so I think it's been liberating to feel seen in that way of like, wow, like, just the different, you know, from social media to different things that people are reading or talking about just to feel a level of feeling seen of like, 
I do matter. And this does matter. Like what Joyce says, like having an honest look at our past and not just glossing over the hard. And I think even the times that Joy has apologized to me or to other friends of color, like that really does go a long way. Or the times where she, I've gotten to see her transformation, her progression of what she said a year ago, I thought this, or I saw it this way, or I was here, but to say, but now I'm here. And I think it's been a journey of learning together. Like I said, like I've learned I've learned a lot in this journey too. And even seeing the way that Joy has advocated and been an ally for me, it's taught me ways that I can be a better ally to our Asian American community, to our Hispanic community. And the ways that I've seen her show up for me and the things that really mattered for me, I can then create and hold space for them. And I can enter into the different ways that the racism that they experience similar in ways to what Black Americans experience, but different. And so I think the risk is worth it. It's always, it's all scary. Um, it always can feel like, wait, are, are we able to talk about this? Can we really go there? Can we really do this? But man, the other side of it is so rich. Like Joy said, it's so worth it. And I feel like it's a true picture of what the church should be. You know, we should be a place where that reflects heaven, where every difference, every ethnicity, every all that is celebrated, where we don't all have to be the same. That's not how God created us. There's so much beauty in the differences that we have, and those differences don't have to be scary. Those differences, we can find so much richness and beauty in them as well. Yes, amen. Well mm-hmm. said. I, I love the way you guys just put a bow on it and, and wrapped it up. Hey, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for giving us, giving from yourself. Thank you guys for, you know, lifting, lifting up the head and letting us see a little bit more of your relationship and sharing your wisdom with us. Thank you. Thank you. It's such a gift to be with you. Yeah. Thanks so much for having us. Yeah. Awesome. Well, hey, you guys, listen, we'll be back uh, in the coming weeks with more from this season. We hope that this has been good for you. We hope that this has been enriching you. Um, It has been good for us. It's been enriching us. We love you. and We'll be back with you soon. If you enjoyed this episode, consider giving us a rating or review on iTunes. If you do, you'll help other people find us in the future. You can also listen to these episodes on YouTube. Just subscribe to the Saddleback Church YouTube channel for these conversations, plus lots of other video content. And if you are already listening to us on YouTube, subscribe to the Doable Discipleship Podcast on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcasting app so you can listen in the car or wherever else you go. Don't forget to visit saddleback.com slash doable to check out all of our previous episodes and go to saddleback.com slash grow to find spiritual growth resources and view a calendar of upcoming events lastly you can always get in touch with us by emailing maturity at saddleback.com send us your thoughts send us your questions your bible questions your life questions whatever who knows your question might just inspire an upcoming episode thanks again for tuning in to doable discipleship i'm jason whelan and i hope you'll join us again next week